going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 235 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we will be concluding our journey through the positional rankings. We've talked about quarterback, running back, three episodes dedicated to wide receiver, and today we are going to be covering fantasy football's most important position, tight end. Joey, are you excited? Of course I'm excited. They don't call me the tight end whisperer for for nothing. They don't, and and I'm excited. We will close out the show with Joey's sleeper pick at tight end. Some of the names that have hit in the past, Darren Waller, before anybody was on it. Josh Oliver. (laughs) Don't know if he ever played a snap after (laughs) that, but today we've got a good one for you however let's start at the top all right and for a first round pick i feel like we haven't talked too much about travis kelsey this year it's kind of self-explanatory with how weak the tight end position is in general that a guy like kelsey is always going to be towards the top Mm -hmm. i am a little surprised after last year Mark Andrews was the tight end one. You know, his situation remains relatively unchanged, if not improved with the departure of Marquise Brown, should command even more targets in that offense. Does Travis Kelsey deserve to be the tight end one this year over Mark Andrews? Kelsey is a surefire round one pick. Andrews is readily available mid-second. Yeah, I think that you can make a case that Andrews could be first, and I think it's definitely close. They're both in a tier together at the top Mm -hmm. of the tight end pool for fantasy in my opinion you know I think Mark Andrews potentially could out target Kelsey and finish as the tight end one again in fantasy football that's definitely well within the range Uh, obviously the Chiefs offensive upside just from a passing perspective is a little higher probably a lot higher than the Ravens to be honest so I think that's why Kelsey gets drafted in the first above Mark Andrews but it's definitely close these are you know the two premier guys at the position and they you know are difference makers at a position where there just isn't enough difference makers so that makes Mm -hmm. them extremely valuable and I I think they're pretty solid picks Uh, but then again if you know me you know I will never draft a fucking tight end in the first round so I have virtually zero Kelsey once again but it definitely could backfire yeah and and I'm pretty low on Kelsey too I just think that you know the opportunity cost of taking a tight end is is so high that being said, these guys do just have the ability to separate from a position mm-hmm. that it's so hard to separate from. You know, Mark Andrews finished with 301 points last year. The tight end three finished with 208 points. So almost yeah. a hundred point differential from tight end one to tight end three. It just shows how these guys are a different breed. I think that Mark Andrews is a great draft pick this year, to be honest. I mean, I think you're getting basically Travis Kelsey, but a couple picks later, the upside is so high. He won everybody everything in terms of best ball last year you really needed to have Andrews to get to the end and I could see him going on a similar stretch this year these are really the only two players that I could see you needing to have Mm -hmm. to advance because how often are any other tight ends going to give you more than you know 15 points in a given week whereas Andrews and Kelsey have 40 spots in their range yeah no I definitely agree my counterpoint is just Mark Andrews was a six round pick last year not an early second round pick Absolutely. So the opportunity cost 
is still extremely high with these top two guys, especially when you take into consideration you could be draft drafting Kelsey, especially with, with redraft right around the corner now. You could be drafting Kelsey above a guy like Jamar Chase or Stephon Diggs or you know an elite wide receiver one that I think is more valuable. And then some of the running backs that are going in, in the second round, you're passing over like Aaron Jones, Saquon, DeAndre Swift, Leonard Fournette, potentially for Mark Andrews. And I personally just think from a process standpoint, that's pretty pretty bad so that's why I don't necessarily draft these guys that early but they're obviously great picks and they are great difference makers at the position it's it's just kind of like does the positional value outweigh the opportunity cost for these guys and everybody's different and maybe the numbers say you should lean one way or the other but personally I think that the positional value does not outweigh the opportunity cost in the first an early second round. Yep. Last thing I'll say on that is I think that it's probably, in my opinion, site-based. I th- I, th- I just think that like on a total point site, for example, like drafters, I think that they're worse picks than they are on underdog because, you know, you do need the advancement and you need to win your league specifically, which is where the positional value comes mm-hmm. in a little bit more clutch compared to a total points league where the wide receivers are naturally just going to outscore these guys. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, right off the bat, you are coming in with a hot take. I think that the tight end three is clear cut sophomore tight end Kyle Pitts for the Falcons. You have him all the way down at five behind George Kittle and Darren Waller. I need to hear the reasoning here on on why you're so low on Pitts. Yeah, I don't think I'm like very low on Pitts um, having him at five because this is a tier of guys that I think are going to be very similar when it's all said and done. Ultimately, I ranked these players in terms of their offensive environments and who I believe is going to be in the best offensive situations. And I think Darren Waller is in the best. I think George Kittle is in the second best. And I think Kyle Pitts is in the worst situation out of this trio. And I think their ceilings are all relatively the same obviously Darren Waller has Devonta Adams there now but Darren Waller is still one of the best tight ends uh the Raiders were one of the most pass heavy teams last year in the league I think there's plenty of opportunity to go around still for Darren Waller and you know he also ran bad on touchdowns last year you know 93 targets only scored two touchdowns I don't think that's going to happen again I, I I think I might move Pitts above Kittle though just because I think that the floor could be pretty low with Kittle in that offense especially if Trey Lance doesn't work out but yeah I mean these guys I I think they're very interchangeable and they're all relatively close to me like it's not like he's clear-cut five like obviously you can make the case he could be three or four because of his opportunity but the offense is just going to be so bad that I I really just want no parts yeah I I do hear you on that and and Maybe that's a factor. I've sort of gone back and forth on Kyle Pitts, where we talked about this early in the offseason as a guy that we were fading, and I've sort of come around to Kyle Pitts just because the more you look at his season last year, it's a little bit unfair, I think, of us as a community to be so down on him like he was a disappointment after coming out as a rookie tight end and finishing with a thousand yards. You know, every other player that had a thousand receiving yards finished with at least four touchdowns. Kyle Pitts had one touchdown, and I guess that situationally looking 
looking at the Falcons, we could say that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be too bullish on him regressing, but just with the type of targets he gets, I think it'll be really impossible for him to finish with worse numbers, especially in terms of touchdowns than what he had last year. He's just such a talented, athletic monster, and there's just no target for competitions in that offense outside of, like, what, Drake London and and Cordero Patterson. I think Kyle Pitts is arguably the number one target in this Mm -hmm. offense. You can't say the same about either of Kittle or Darren Waller. Obviously, we know they have those types of elite ceilings. I could see Darren Waller's spike weeks being a lot more inconsistent this year with the addition of Devontae Adams and the amount of work that he's going to take, especially in the red zone. And then George Kittle, you know, it's just hard to see how this entire team is going to play out with the unknown around what Trey Lance is going to do as a passer. What's Debo's role going to be this year? How are the targets going to shake out? Obviously, Kittle will get his one way or the other, but... Yeah, I mean, these guys are definitely in the tier of elite players. I just want to be higher on Pitts than the rest. He's younger, and he has the fewest competition for targets. Yeah, no, I, I it definitely makes sense. And like I said, I might move Pitts up above Kittle just because I, I am a little bit lower on George Kittle this season. Yeah, Pitts is a generational talent, and obviously he ran bad on touchdown scoring one kind of kind of similar to Darren Waller right 110 targets only scored one touchdown just don't know how much that's going to go up just because personally I believe this is going to be the worst team in the NFL especially on offense uh, with Marcus Mariota at quarterback I, I don't know I just don't want many of these Falcons players especially with Kyle Pitts at an ADP of 32 so you have to draft him in the third round I feel like the opportunity costs in the third round is pretty high for a player in a bad offense but then again the opportunity is going to be off the charts so it's 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 a tough situation uh but I think with Pitts you could definitely just bet on talent and and hope he gets you there but I I haven't been doing that personally tight end is always a tricky balance between situation and talent I think at the top you can be a little more talent aggressive and as we get towards the mid-range we really just have to start looking at situations because for the vast majority of uh, of these players we're going to get stat lines of like you know four for 40 all year long and it's really going to be the touchdowns that separate so that is why at tight end six I sort of you know forego the talent I forego you know the raw athleticism and I go strictly situation with Dawson Knox ranked uh at tight end six I'm definitely above consensus on Knox but it just makes all the sense to me in the world he's clear cut got a great chemistry with Josh Allen he's in one of the most pass heavy offenses in the league he's a full-time player he had a 86.1% snap share last season. That was fourth in the NFL at the tight end position. He was eighth in routes run, fourth in red zone targets, fifth in deep targets at the position. And usually I would look at a guy who has nine touchdowns on 71 targets and think that they are in for some regression. But in this Bills offense, Knox is just so dangerous. A team that's always going to be in the red zone. Big body, chemistry with Allen. I love Dawson Knox this year. And just situationally, I think that he's one of the best picks you can make. Especially at his current ADP pass pick 100 on underdog. Yeah, he's going as the tight end nine. So you're a little bit above consensus on Dawson Knox there. And I definitely like him at his ADP for sure. Personally, I have Dalton Schultz as my tight end six. Uh, so that's, you know, we have a little difference there. I'm in line with ADP, though. He's going as the tight end six mm-hmm. on underdog. And I just think that opportunity, like you said, matters a ton at the tight end position. And Dalton Schultz is just going to be in line for significantly more opportunity 
in that Cowboys offense than Dawson Knox this year. Dalton Schultz finished as you know, a top three tight end in, in full PPR last year, and that was with Amari Cooper still there and Michael Gallup healthy for a majority of the season. And we talked about it with CeeDee Lamb. This Cowboys offense is one of the best in the NFL. They led the NFL in total points, points per game. And they're going to be in the red zone a ton as well. For those reasons, I just think Dalton Schultz is probably the correct tight end six behind the you know top five elite guys. But at his ADP, which is 69, I haven't been drafting a ton of Dalton Schultz. Just because, personally, I think that is the range where you don't want to draft tight ends. And you want to target you know some of the league-winning potential at running back or some of the upside wide receivers that are still on the board in the sixth round so I have I, I have like no Schultz but I think he is a correct tight end six yep and, and I'm not low on Schultz I've got him at seven but to me your point about wanting to sort of dodge this ADP tier of tight ends is really important and I think that Dalton Schultz TJ Hawkinson and maybe Dallas Goddard fit into that range mm-hmm. those are the three guys in ADP that are going ahead of Knox and then after the elite guys and to me it's it's really just what you said like I want to be out on that tier because I think that the outcomes of the guys going say 50 picks later you know in the mid 100s 120s are just as viable as tight end targets you know mm-hmm. the Irv Smiths Comets Friermuths of the world I would rather target at cost than these guys you know Hawkinson so much competition for targets this year it's really hard to evaluate what he's going to be in Dallas Goddard is a guy that I really struggle to rank because I think he is one of the most talented tight ends in the NFL just from a talent perspective but he only averaged 5.1 targets per game in a really run heavy offense last year that went on to add a major asset in, in the passing game in AJ Brown that'll command a ton of targets in his own right so I just don't know what the target upside is for Goddard, which is why I have him at the absolute lowest of this tier at, at tight end nine. But I mean, do you feel sort of the same way about Hawkinson and, and Goddard uh, as, as you do with Schultz? Yeah, I, I think Hawkinson and Goddard are fades just based on ADP. I think that they are obviously good talents at the tight end position, but they just go in that range and you know, the seventh, eighth round where I just generally do not want to target the tight end position. Uh, and I, and I think Dallas Goddard probably is the worst pick of the three Dallas Goddard only had 76 targets last year, 56 catches, four touchdowns, but he was behind some guys like Tyler Higby, Tyler Conklin and Jared Cook and Noah Fant and Cole Komet in targets last year. And like you said, they added AJ Brown, you know, a stone alpha that, should command targets. How pass heavy are the Eagles going to actually be this year? Uh, we just truly don't know as they were the most run heavy team in the NFL last year. I think Dallas Goddard is a pretty easy fade in my opinion. I think he's going to be a touchdown dependent back end tight end one. He's very similar to like you said some of the guys that are going you know, four, five, six rounds behind him. At his current ADP, I think Dallas Goddard is the easiest fade of the top 12 tight ends. Absolutely agree. Now we get into the point where things get real sticky because, <laughs> you know, I, I think you could make the case that everybody from, say, tight end 10 
all the way to tight end 20, maybe even a little bit deeper, 22, 23, are all relatively interchangeable players. They're all going to be touchdown dependent guys. You can make the case that you like some of the offenses better. You know, I've got Gerald Everett ahead of consensus just for his access to the Chargers offense. Irv Smith, same thing. We've been talking about the Vikings offense all year. He's my tight end 10. But how much do I like Irv Smith over David Njoku at tight end 18? Very, very mm-hmm. little. You know, the, yeah. the gap between these guys is so thin and we're going to see that gap play out in terms of points per game as well. The tight end position at this point, I think, comes down to touchdown variance, which is why yeah. it's such a crapshoot of a position. I mean, this tier is they're all the same player just on different teams. Maybe some of them are a little bit, you know, more athletic or better at football. Uh, But a lot of it is just going to come down who gets the good touchdown variance this year. I definitely think Irv Smith as a tight end 10 is correct, uh, just because the offense should improve from last year. And obviously he missed last year, but Tyler Conklin had a pretty solid role. Uh, I referenced he had more targets than Dallas Goddard. Tyler Conklin had a 15% target share with the Vikings. He's obviously on the Jets now. So if Irv Smith can sit around a 15, 16% target share. I think we could see a pretty nice season out of him. So I definitely don't mind him in the 12th round. You know, the guy that we're a little lower on it is Zach Ertz, who is the tight end 10 on underdog right now. How do you feel about Zach Ertz this year? I mean, I'll be honest, during my first initial run of rankings, I had Zach Ertz at like tight end 25. Like I (laughs) I have not drafted Zach Ertz at all, but you know, the more I go back and and I look at his season last year, it's a little bit disrespectful. Ertz had, you know, a 24% target share in the games that DeAndre Hopkins was not available. And we obviously know DeAndre Hopkins is going to miss the first six weeks of the season. They did bring in the top rookie tight end in the draft this year and Trey McBride. So I, I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, it's a stretch to think that McBride is going to play a big factor, but Zach Ertz is 31 years old and, and McBride's a young upside tight end in the passing game that could emerge down the stretch and take 31 year old Zach Ertz off the field in some spots. I don't know. I don't know about Zach Ertz. He just looks so withered last year. You know, at this point, there's no burst. There's no explosiveness. He's just a guy that is going to catch the ball and go down right where he's at. So maybe there's some you know, full PPR upside there. He had a ton of catches last year, you know, 112 targets, 74 receptions. It's a good offense. So I guess you can make the argument that Zach Ertz is draftable at his ADP, but I just like all the guys going after him. Kind of like we're saying, there's no difference to me with Zach Ertz compared to like Cole Komet or or Pat Fryermuth or Mike Gesicki, and they're all available later. So I have virtually no Zach Ertz and I don't plan to change that. Yeah, I think... I think that Zach Ertz is fine. Obviously, a lot of PPR upside, especially early in the season, he's probably going to be the second option in the passing game, to be honest. Obviously, it's a very dusty option. And, you know, you kind of just throw up in your mouth a little bit when he's on the board and, you know, you're kind of considering him and then you just don't because he is pretty much dust at this point. But he was third in the NFL at the tight end position in targets last year. You know, he got traded what kind of earlier in the season but he wasn't doing shit with the Eagles they weren't even using him he pretty much had all of his opportunity in what 13 or 14 games yeah. um so now if he stays healthy for 17 games he's he's probably going to be up there once again in terms of targets at the tight end position like in a pass first offense like the Cardinals would it would it surprise you at all if Ertz out targeted Kyle Pitts this year as he did last year 
yeah, probably it would. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if they he were, was like really like, close. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. if they if they were close, I wouldn't be surprised. Like yeah. if, if Zach Ertz is top five in tight end targets, I I can see that happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's definitely well within his range, but definitely not a sexy pick. And I mean, I I really just have no opinions on kind of on these guys, kind of like Fryer Muth and Komet and Jasicki. Obviously, like you said, you could rank based on situation or whatnot. But with all of these guys, it's just going to come down to who has the best touchdown variance, which is obviously hard to predict. I think Hunter Henry, though, is a value right now at t- at tight end 15. Maybe a little Patriots bias there, but I, I definitely like H- Hunter Henry once again. Uh, we smashed Henry last year. That worked out. He's kind of being disrespected once again. His ADP is 148 on underdog, so you can get him in the 14th round. And I think there's a ton of touchdown upside with Hunter Henry and He's just the best tight end on the Patriots roster. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally cool with Hunter Henry. I've got a decent amount of exposure. He's just, you know, it's like these guys that are going at 148 that, like I keep saying, are the same to me as the guys going at, you know, 118. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to take these guys. Yeah. They're cheaper, and I feel like they're relatively the same. So, you know, the Hunter Henry, David Njoku's, no offense to me, are guys that I have a ton of exposure to because they're way cheaper than all these other guys, and what's the difference, really? Yeah. I think in this tier, obviously, you want to target touchdowns, but maybe like, you know, some guys like Komet and whatnot are a little bit better just because they are going to have uh, more opportunity. But yeah, there, there's really no differences with these guys. What the, the their average points per game from like the tight end 10 to the tight end 20 is what under two points. You're, you're not sacrificing much if you wait on tight end. And that's been kind of researched by some of the top guys in uh, best ball is that, you know, you either take a tight end early. Or you just wait and kind of punt with three of these guys in in 13th, 14th round and go from there. Yeah, so the difference between tight end 21 and tight end 10 last year was 2.7 points per game. So it's just really hard to justify any of these guys. This is how the tight end position plays out every single year. After we get past tight end 20, we're really sort of in just the the tier of guys we're taking shots on, you know, maybe situations that are getting underlooked or players that people have, you know, sort of forgotten or or don't want to take shots on anymore. Hayden Hurst to me is a guy that I feel like the community in general is sleeping on. CJ Uzoma had a great role last year. He was 78% in terms of route participation on the Bengals. That was fourth in the league amongst tight ends. I think Hayden Hurst will immediately just sort of slide into that role. They have no other competition uh, at the tight end position. And if we see the Bengals pass more, which we've speculated they could, I think Hurst could be, you know, a really low floor player, but he's the best tight end in the best offense that is available late past tight end 20 in drafts. So Mm -hmm. for that reason, you know, you're getting a guy attached to Joe Burrow basically free with you know a 15th 16th round pick and I'll I'll take shots on a situation like that for sure yeah I I definitely agree with everything that you said I I like Hayden Hurst other than that there's not really many guys that I like to draft out of this range I think that a lot of these guys are just drafted based on my stacks so if I have Stafford then you know I'll try and get Higby if I you know uh, have Trevor Lawrence I'll try and get Evan Ingram to pair with that you know if I have Ryan Tannehill I'll try and get Austin Hooper just low floor low ceiling guys in my opinion that are touchdown reliant but their ADPs are super cheap they make for the perfect tight end threes when you know they inevitably have that one week in the year where where they score two touchdowns 
in a game and, you know, they make your lineup and you're happy that you drafted them. Yep. Basically, after tight end six, if, if you don't have one of those guys with an elite ceiling, I'm just taking three and trying to yeah. bank on touchdown yeah. variants and best ball. And every week, uh, you know, like season long wise, like I would just be, you know, rotating yeah. these guys off the waiver wire on DraftKings. These guys are all going to be between like 2.9 and 3.5 K on DraftKings. Yeah. And we're just going to punt on whoever has the best matchup in cash yeah. games every week. It's it's literally like so, so easy to predict how this is going to go. Yeah, I mean. The tight end position is just horrible. Yeah, last year I was rotating uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, John Bates, and Foster Moreau for like 10 weeks. So, Bro, shout out John Bates, man. So th- John that, Bates was clutch last year. That's how uh, the tight end position ultimately falls. Now, what do you think about the one rare opportunity to get a quarterback <laughs> at the tight end position? On underdog, Taysom Hill is listed with tight end eligibility. He is a tight end now mm-hmm. for the saints he's he's going to be Jameis winston's top tight end which is weird to think about but we know the way that the that the saints have utilized Taysom hill i don't think that he's going to get any significant quarterback snaps this year i think that the team really wants to give Jameis the full runway we're not worried about a quarterback controversy but Taysom Hill is inevitably going to, you know, get some rush attempts in the red zone. Like that is what this man is mm-hmm. on the team for. He's not on, on the team to be like, you know, in line as a tight end. So, I mean, what do you think about Taysom Hill this year? He's sort of an interesting case and I want to be in on him, you know, going back to the team that I won on drafters last year, a huge factor was getting Cordero Patterson who, you know, was a running back with wide receiver eligibility. And this is really mm-hmm. the only situation I think this year that's even relatively similar where a guy has upside just due to eligibility on on a specific site. Yeah, I think from a theory perspective, Taysom Hill makes a ton of sense, you know, just for that potential one percentile outcome where, you know, Winston goes down and Mm -hmm. they don't trust like Andy Dalton to get the job done. Or, or whatever like you know Andy Dolan's upside and then Taysom Hill comes in and, and plays quarterback so I think he's worth it just from that perspective alone just for your you know your positional eligibility statement that you said I think he's worth it from that front then I think he's worth it from a you know usage perspective because I think that he is probably the best athlete in the tight end room they have him Juwan Johnson and Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman's more of a run blocker. Jawan Johnson is kind of the uh, pass-catching tight end, but he didn't really show much last year. So I think Taysom Hill definitely has a crack to be the tight end one and will definitely be used more as the season goes on. You know, when he when he gets the ball, like, he runs violent, he gets yards, he breaks tackles, he scores touchdowns. Like, he's not he's not bad. Like, when he has he's the ball in his hands, he's not bad. I mean, yeah, we kind of we kind of got to, like, give Taysom Hill his props just for his his spirit. You know, how many other NFL quarterbacks are out there and, and you know, they get replaced and he's they're a like, team all right, player. bet, now I'm going to be a running back. Now I'm going to be a receiver. Like, he he doesn't care. As long as he can get out there and get the ball, he is going to do it. Yeah. You got to respect that. Yeah. You have to. So, for that reason, I think you definitely have to take shots on Taysom Hill for sure, especially in tournament formats. I think it makes a ton of sense. Yep. That being said, got to be careful about what site. His tight end eligibility is only on underdog, yeah. to my knowledge. I yeah. don't believe it's on DraftKings. I'm not sure, but I know on drafters he's listed as a quarterback. So it, this is strictly, strictly an underdog conversation. I would have 0% Taysom Hill as a quarterback this yeah. season. Yep. Agreed. All right. That is, that's really it as far as, you know, tight ends that I feel like we need to cover. Do you want to take this opportunity to give us a deep 
sleeper, you know, as the tight end whisperer, who who is completely off the radar that that we maybe need to put on the radar. <laughs> I think that there there's one interesting tight end this year. But first I want to say I have an honorary mention, somebody okay. that we both drafted Harrison Bryant. I love Harrison mm. Bryant. Oh yeah. As a tight end 3 paired with, you know, your 18th round Deshaun Watson and you know, there, there, there's maybe a way that Harrison Bryant like leapfrogs in the Joku if he's just better. But anyways, my sleeper pick for this year that's probably not going to work out, but is a good bet from just an overall profile standpoint is Jelani Woods. Mm. He plays for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts depth chart currently has him listed as the tight end three behind Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson. But if we take a look at Jelani Woods player profile, it's very reminiscent of Darren Waller and the arguments that I had for Darren Waller four years ago. He is a superior athlete to a majority of tight ends. 89th percentile 40-yard dash, 94th percentile speed score, 95th percentile burst score, 82nd percentile agility score, 98th percentile catch radius, 94th percentile college dominator, 93rd percentile spark athlete, 6'7", 250. Third round pick out of Virginia. I don't know, man. I think just from a prospect standpoint, I think there's worse picks, and I think that there's a way that he can get onto the field in Indianapolis this season as probably the best overall like athletic tight end on the roster. And the Colts uh, did a mailbag. They said that Woods could uh, learn and become, you know, kind of a key part of the Colts' offense in 2022 since he has all of the. Uh, the talent and the measurables that you want. Yeah. And and I mean, if you want to be a rookie tight end in a spot where you can leapfrog a couple of, of veterans, it's on a team where the starters are Mo Ali Cox and Kylan Granson, right? Like Mm -hmm. Mo Ali Cox is the definition of just a a replaceable NFL player. Kylan Granson was a rookie last year who, who did absolutely nothing. So Woods comes in, you know, they spent a third round pick on him. That isn't you know, nothing. That's good draft capital, especially for a tight end. Mm -hmm. I I think, yeah, I I like this a lot. You know, the tight ends are, are, fuck, the target distribution for the Colts is pretty wide open outside of Michael Pittman locked into his role and Naheem Hines, you know, getting his out of the backfield. But, you know, Alec Pierce is a rookie. We don't know how that's going to go. Paris Campbell has never been able to put it together. So yeah, there's definitely a, a world where Jelani Woods comes out maybe towards the second half of the year and has an impact. I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and I, I think that it, it'll still be hard for him to get on the field, especially as a rookie tight end. Uh, it's one of you know the hardest learning curves going from you know college to the NFL is the tight end position. Obviously, different blocking schemes, different you know pass protections that you have to learn because that's an important job of being a tight end, right? It's helping in pass protection and run blocking. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, though, is one of the best run blocking tight ends in the NFL. Per the same mailbag, uh, he ranked sixth in run blocking at the tight end position last year, uh, according to PFF. So Mo Ali Cox is still going to be out there just because the Colts, you know, are going to want to run the ball. Uh, so it could be hard for Woods to get on the field. But I think at the end of the day, you just want your most talented players out there. And if Woods can show something at training camp, which is which is you know over the next month and in preseason, I think there is a uh, a decent chance, maybe like 20 percent, that he could start to get some snaps over Kylan Granson as the tight end too, and 
you know, maybe he uh, shows out from there, but obviously a long shot. Right. And I'll just say the last thing here is that, you know, just from a situational standpoint, I think it's worth taking shots on. I mean, Greg Dolchich is a, a rookie with less draft capital for the Broncos and more impressive competition in Albert O, who's, you know, a, a great athlete at his position. And Greg Dolchich gets drafted in nearly every draft now. There's been buzz yeah. that he's going to have a role, but it's like, I mean, is it more likely that, you know, a rookie out out uh, produces Albert O or that Jelani Woods in the third round is able to outproduce Mo Ali Cox? I, I don't yeah. know. I, I think that I would be more on the side of Woods there. Yeah. So great. I think that, you know, just from that standpoint, he's worth drafting. But yeah. 20th round right. pick. There you go. And, and, you know, where else but the DFS Dose podcast are you going to get some Jelani Woods talk? The answer is nowhere. And that's why you listen. And that is going to be it for episode 235 of the DFS Dose podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this ranking series. We are going to publish the rankings available in our Discord chat. So if you guys have not joined that already, please do. You can find the link in the show notes to the podcast if you are not following us on twitter we are at the dfs dose my personal twitter is at ben Hover. joey is at joey carrion dfs we will be back on wednesday we got news pumping out from the nfl as camps begin we'll cover some of the most interesting stories as we get closer to kickoff to everybody listening out there we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic